I might be freaks, but we know our mother phone can beats in beats in beats in beats in beats. This is the Frequency DM Podcast, it's August the 12th, 2019, and we're coming back with the second part of the history of Tomorrowland Belgium Festival. For those who haven't heard of this part, please just listen to last week's episode. This is episode 119, and I am mentioning Tomorrowland Belgium, of course, for because for those who do not know, there has been a couple of other editions, especially the Tomorrowland World in the US, which did not end up so well for reasons I'm not going to mention here. So we're just focusing on the Belgium edition, the one that uh, has been happening for the past 15 years. So for those who haven't listened, I'm basically reading from an article that was published on the newspaper that's uh, Tomorrowland Today that's given to the people who attend the festival. So to continue, we're talking about the legend. It's been 15 years since the shore was originally taken over by an army of thousands of dance fanatics and that crowd has been steadily growing numbers ever since. For those who do not know, don't remember, the shore is the actual park because the, the festival takes uh, over an actual park, a national park in Belgium, and this is situated next to Boom, Boom being a small town, Boom as in, you know, boom, 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 uh, which is in the middle, almost in the middle of distance between Antwerp and Brussels, a couple of big cities uh, in Belgium. Brussels being the capital, of course. Um, in terms, so continuing, in terms of overall international reputation and prestige, however, the growth was exponential. Dimitri Vegas says, when we were still aspiring young DJs, it was already pretty clear that Tomorrowland was on its way to become a legend in Belgium. The second time we played the main stage, the festival was sold out and had started to go international. So the second time uh, would have been... Uh, the main stage that have been playing for 10 years, so 2005, so 2006, the, you know, it must have been sold out then, had started to go international with visitors from all over the world. The after movie of 2012 went viral, and I think that year and the next year were turning points for the festival. It's fair to say that the worldwide explosion of popular electronic music and the boom of Tomorrowland were basically synchronized. To just... I would like to add a comment here, and in all fairness, this is round about the time, like 2013-14, that I've heard of Tomorrowland myself, and I think this also has to do with the explosion of YouTube, and the success of Tomorrowland is, I think, goes hand in hand with the success and spread of YouTube and establishment of YouTube, and... I think the popularity of the festival has a lot to do with the, the after movie, with the way the production goes, with the way um, how many sets are broadcasted. And it's interesting if you guys um, go back in time to actually see how many sets were broadcasted and how many views they were getting. I've done this 
for my own analysis, this is not a topic for now. Uh, we'll continue. If V concurs on the importance of the after movie and recalls the moment he realized just how big Tomorrowland was becoming very clearly. Years ago, one of my friends who works for Tomorrowland was on a holiday in Mexico. When he spoke to people there, they've never heard of Belgium but knew all about Tomorrowland. But where does the legend come from? For Carl Cox, that's easy to answer. Above all, it's the camaraderie that made this festival become what it is today. The people of tomorrow feel like this is their world. They come to meet their friends and make new friends. In that way, it's kind of close to an event like Burning Man, where people go because for that one moment in their life, they can call it their home. I think people feel at home here as well, or at least during that one weekend. And the organization does all they can to make you feel like that. It's as much a fairy tale as it is a social or musical event. And and he's probably right. How many people do you know or you heard of that they go to Tomorrowland just to take it, tick it off their box, off their checklist, and you know take those pictures and post them on Instagram? If Deriter goes on, I've been asked what makes Tomorrowland so special before and the answer is very simple. It's the best festival in the world. Throughout the years they kept on improving the production, the whole setting and the lineup. They managed to keep on growing year after year, every edition is like a final and they won every single one of them. In Mike Push's opinion, it's the variety of musical styles that help the festival rise above all others. Us artists grew in a rock and roll kind of way along with the festival. They've always managed to keep a place on the lineup for us, the creators of the sound. There's a new energy next to classic and retro. While us DJs also kept improving ourselves in the club circuit, what Tomorrowland did was bring the concept of a festival to a whole new standing. They've managed to make playing outdoors to be a magical experience for both artists and audience. Well, um... I do not think that this was the first festival that uh, people played outdoors. Perhaps the, the daytime aspect was a little bit novel, as we said in part one, but not, you know, outdoor festivals have been happening for a long time. Um, this section, the next section is about the DJs, which is obviously an important part of Tomorrowland and uh, why we actually go there every year after year. In a way, Tomorrowland is like the New Year's Eve party of the electronic music scene, Dimitri Vegas says about the DJ's experience of the weekend. There's all kinds of musical styles to choose from. For us personally, we had some great moments doing back-to-back sets with Martin Garrix, Hardwell, Steve Aoki and Afrojack. That time we played laid-back looks, Super You and Me stage and dressed up like superheroes was one for the books. I think... You probably remember this if you, if you follow the after movies and especially laid back look set. I think this is one of his highlights as well. The atmosphere amongst the artists is just so easy going. We have the opportunity to get in contact with each other. Whereas at other festivals, the experience is more solitary, like you're in your own little cocoon. Mike Bush agrees. It's a gathering of artists. We often miss out on each other during the rest of the year, but we can rest assured because we'll definitely be able to meet up at Tomorrowland. And again, um, the the fact that there are two weekends back to back, I think, provides very interesting opportunities because um, Tomorrowland varies the times and days uh, different artists play, uh, apart from the main stage on Saturday, which which is more or less steady. So like. Um, Armin Van Buren followed up by Dimitri Vegas and like Mike is pretty much steady but otherwise the 
there's a rotation of people in different stages and times. And therefore, yes, I mean, it all makes sense that people who may have not met anywhere, um, I doubt that, they will meet there or they have a high chance of meeting there. And MC Stretch, which I mentioned his name last time, uh, he adds, I can only speak for myself, of course, but music is music. People, people can put it in whatever genres they want to. That's why the main stage of Tomorrowland is so important. It showcases all those different styles and people. There's techno, house, EDM, and hard style. EDM, like everything is EDM. Anyway, following up on each other and those DJs get the opportunity to see each other at work and talk and get to know each other. Introducing the Daybreak Sessions was the greatest moving festival history, by the way, to allow DJs to come and play for three hours. Genius. Okay, again, uh, some exaggeration. This is not the first time, obviously. DJs play long sets. I mean, you only have to... Uh, know that um, you know Sven Veith have been playing like five or six hour sets back in the day and even now occasionally in Cocoon and back in his own uh, clubs in Frankfurt um, uh, but I don't know they, they, they just push this I guess obviously a DJ who plays a three hour set has more opportunities to showcase different aspects of his musical taste and create almost a journey I think um, that the timing of the daybreak session is a little bit not so well designed uh, because, well, it's daytime and people are keep coming and chilling. I mean, it's a good, it's a good listen, but you know, for those who have been there, you know, nobody really cares so much, and that's that's a shame. Next to that, some artists get their own areas on other days and it all contributes to the DJs being one big family here and me myself I feel like angle stretch if you've got any problems come speak to me maybe I can help you out you know I'm the host of the main stage and I think that role is equally important both on stage and off stage when a young DJ comes up and is nervous about playing for the first time it's my job to put them at ease and tell them that uh, if they made it here they've absolutely earned it I just said that to Hugel yesterday and he was like, thank you, but I'm still pretty darn nervous. Tiesto gives props to the festival for creating an environment wherein it's so easy to get in touch with each other. Tomorrowland has always had one of the best backstages experience in the world. You feel special right away. Take the food, for instance. The backstage food is cooked by none other than Nick Brill, the chef from two Michelin star restaurants, The Jane in Antwerp. That's world class. Next to that, you meet all those other DJs, often playing other styles than yourself, and everybody's friendly. There's respect and love for each other, having techno, house, EDM, and trance DJs. Again, EDM DJs, what is that about? All happily and respectfully mingling, that's a very special thing. The young DJs also come up to me to ask for advice, I'm always happy to help. They call me the godfather or the mentor sometimes, and he laughs. It's hard to say what the overall best advice is, because every DJ is different. Some of them need guidance on a more personal levels, um, while others profit more from musical pointers. But that's the beauty of it, of course. Armin Van Buren agrees that at Tomorrowland DJs of all kinds of pedigrees stand next to each other with the utmost respect. It helps that the accommodations are so top-notch because you feel at home. 
When you're feeling comfortable, it's easier to get in touch with one another. But when younger DJs come up to me, I still feel a bit weird because to me, it's still like I'm here for the first time. To me, this is just as much fun as it was the first time I was on stage playing at Tomorrowland. It's still something special. You never get used to it. It's really uplifting to have younger colleagues come up to you to say how your music inspired them to start their career, though. And I think that that's quite important, and we have seen people like um, you know some older DJs now becoming more mentors and establishing um, their their profile as mentors and trying to help uh, young artists. For example, you can see how Dead Mouse did it. You can see how Martin Garrix did it, and. Uh, whether Tomorrowland has anything to do with that, I can't really say, but the DJs is as much uh, of an important aspect of why we go there year after year as much as everything else. So I would like to finish here and keep uh, two important bits for uh, part three, uh, which will be the memories and the tracks. Um, and of course the tracks, the music is important, isn't it? And the DJs will mention some of the highlights and tracks that they think uh, are synonymous with uh, the Tomorrowland Belgium Festival. Thank you very much for spending time with us because where you choose to spend your time is really important and we appreciate your choosing us. Please make sure you followed and share this podcast if the topics we discuss spark your interest and you appreciate us going off the beaten route. Do remember that we are ravers just like you have been dancing for 30 years now. We're independent and not sponsored by any DJ, record label, event, festival or corporate. We pay for all our tickets ourselves and records we buy and therefore we're not here just to be super positive about everything when we damn well know the problems or things could be better. We thought that set was rubbish. We have the guts to say loud and proud even though it is unpopular because we've been listening for 30 years to all genres of dance music and we know not everything is always 100% sparkling amazing. What we say and discuss here comes from experience and our own genuine beliefs and our sole interest is to bring ravers together and spark a debate on how to make the scene better and keep the rave alive. For that we have to ask your help. We ask you to subscribe to the podcast, hint it's free, and our YouTube channel, free again, but also share it with your friends and keep your feedback coming. This is your podcast, as much as ours, and for that we need to know what you want to be discussing. You can email us at freakbits2016 at gmail.com, tweet us on freakbits underscore cast, or DM us on our Instagram at freakbitsedmpodcast. And if you go to the Anchor.fm website, you can even leave us a voice message and a rant. That's easy. Until next time, remember, get your freak on.